Hi, and you're very welcome back to the third episode of the League of Ireland podcast here on Final Whistle. Now, I'm joined again by Alan Keane. Alan, welcome back to the programme. Cheers, Brefany. Yeah, looking forward to it again. You had a little siesta last week. We gave you the week off, but you're back to maybe take a look back at your old club, Dundalk, last weekend, who managed to to lift the President's Cup. Uh, Let's start there, if you don't mind. Um, How important is the President's Cup in the grand scheme of things? Do players care? Do players have any value in it, or is it really just bragging rights? Uh, players do care. It's the uh, first part of silverware. Um, you, won't, you won't have many of the players that played last Friday saying that they didn't really care. Um, you could see throughout the game what it meant to the players. Yes, it is. It's not something you'd lose a bit of sleep over, but um, definitely, I suppose, between Dun- Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers, that bit of rivalry has, has built up. So just to get that little bit of you know, momentum at the start of the year uh, is, is important. Um, I thought it was a great game. If, I, if I'm being honest, for, for uh, a game, uh, uh, everyone says it's kind of like a pre-season, but I thought both teams looked, looked fit, um, looked in great condition, and they didn't play their full cards, I don't think. So there's a, I was impressed with Dundalk's uh, signings. Yeah, I, I was looking at it. Uh, the keeper, I thought, was good. Uh, uh, the the uh, Sonny, the centre half, that got sent off, looked decent enough as well, and and also Shamrock Rovers played really well. They played. Shamrock Rovers had majority of the possession, played probably the better football, um, and what a great goal by Liam Scales! Uh, right foot, left foot, and stuck it away. Uh, do you think uh, it just had shades of, of that Stephanie Roach that got nominated for a Puskas a couple of years ago? Um, obviously, I don't know whether it'll reach those heights. Uh, we're used to goals between these two at a. At Tala ending up on the Puskas nomination, it'd be nice to get a second one, but it might not just have quite have that finesse that that they're looking for at that level. But the game itself, you're right, it was an absolutely cracking end-to-end game. Goal chances, decent saves, sending off. You mentioned. Let's talk about that for a second. I don't like dealing on the negative, but what are your thoughts on that? Do you think he deserved to go, or was it maybe a little bit? Because to me, the feet were definitely off the ground, even though he made contact with the ball. Um, I'm still not quite sure whether I felt it was a red card offence or not. But yeah, it's easy for us to say when you see the replays. But I, I don't think uh, the referee Damien McGrath made the decision. I'd say he got a help from the from the linesman because he kind of delayed a little bit. And when you look at it in real time, you're like, oh, he's he's uh, he's it's like he's lunged, you know, he's he's left the ground. And if Graham Burke was a bit further. Would, if he had caught him in the leg, would he have done damage? Possibly. So, but it, it, it turned out it was a good tackle. He's won the ball. But this day and age, you, you just can't do that. You can't leave the ground. And he's learned the hard way. Um, for me, it's, as I said, it's tough for the referee because he just sees it quickly and he needs he needs backup from the linesman. And I think, you know what, probably a fair call. Um, after you look back at in the replay, you, you'd say, no, he's, he's won the ball. The rules of the game say you can't leave both feet off the ground. Yeah, flurry of yellow cards given out straight away afterwards. Chris McCann straight in. Um, he got a yellow card for his intervention. But do you think maybe that kind of reaction from the Rovers players might have made it easier for the referee to give the red card? Or, or for he was 50-50 on the decision that it was going to sway him in any way, shape or form? And no, I think the Shamrock Rovers players are probably every right to, because if if it was me, you you back up your your, your teammate and uh, you're trying to gain any little bit of advantage you can. And 
they seen it as a bad tackle and, and I suppose probably that's why the referee was a bit hesitant straight off and I'd say he got a word in his ear. Um, but the, the cards that followed, I thought, Jesus, there was three or four minutes of the game delayed all because handing out yellow cards. I think I think Stephen Bradley got a yellow card as well. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it wasn't that bad of a challenge. But again, the referee's being assessed, so he has to do his job. It turned out, you know, I don't know whether Sonny is going to be suspended for the Sligo Rovers game or not this week. I don't know how the moves work. They, they change from year to year nearly. But, um, yeah, it's, it's look, the Shams, Shamrock Rovers and, I suppose, Dundalk, it's going to be between them two again this year and possibly Bowles thrown in. Um, so I was really impressed with the game and I thought Sham, Shamrock Rovers done really well and uh, Dundalk also. I was I was really interested looking at the Dundalk New Zealand and I, I was worried whether, on a wet night in Tala, whether they'd, uh, whether they, they'd survive, but they they done really well. The keeper was, I thought, was very commanding, um, and I think it's Yargif. I, I can't pronounce his name. Probably. Yeah, the Latvian right back. He's he was yeah. pretty solid the other evening. Yeah, he's pretty good. His end product was a little bit, but that will come, you know. Um, but overall, I thought it was a fantastic game for the league to start off. Of course, Graham Burke announced uh, today, as we're recording this on Monday, uh, a new three-year deal with Shamrock Rovers as soon as his Preston uh, loan ends and his contract with Preston ends in the summer. So he'll be with them for the next uh, probably three seasons, which is a huge coup to keep a player of that calibre. Is that no more than maybe some of the other deals that have been done recently? Is that done to keep his value or to actually give him that kind of security or a little bit of both? I think it's definitely to to keep his uh, secure uh, security really because he's a top he's a top player he was a top player before he he, he moved I think he he dipped in a bit a bit of form since he's come back um and players need that a bit of assurance as well and they need that I suppose a bit of love from the club to show that they have faith in them and if you get that from the club you know he he knows the club are backing him and he has to back them now and um whether he has it in his head to go back across the water possibly possibly not he might say his future now with Shamrock Rovers but we all talk about going across to the UK why not expand it now to to European clubs you know you look at Jack Byrne everyone's like why did he go out there but why not like what is the big thing with the UK you know everyone it's UK 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 now the European football we need to get recognised this league needs to start getting recognised all over Europe and I think I think we are starting to get that like yeah, I think uh, runs like Dundalk in the Europa League last year does raise the profile, even if it didn't bring any any points on the league table. It, it does bring profile and it does bring, I suppose, attention across the continent. One other story, just in relation to the President's Cup, before we move on to some of the other preseason games that were played over the last week or so. Um, what's the situation in your eyes with the announcement last week from Dundalk that Shane Keegan is the man in charge? Uh, I'm not so sure I really believe that that's actually what's happening on the ground, despite the protestations from Royal Park. What's your own thoughts on that? For me, I just think it's a mess at the minute. Um, you know, you've, uh, you've a manager that was there last year who's now demoted as coach, sitting back, uh, but they say that they're all making the, the decisions. I solely think it's done on licensing, for, for licensing reasons. Uh, Shane obviously holds the pro license. Um, the rest don't, so I just think it's it's a difficult one. And unless they have unless they have sorted with the players, 
it, it can lead to a very, very it could be a very, very confusing matter. Who's on the training ground? Who who's who does the book stop with? It's come out. It said Shane, you know, just really, or you know, so it's going to be one to keep an eye on over the season. And I'm sure if Dundalk don't start getting the results from the off, who who do you blame? Is it going to be Shane? Dundalk have said it quite clearly. It's Shane is where the book stops. He picks the team. He's ultimate responsibility. And um, the league have said Mark Scanlon's come out and said that. He's happy that that's the arrangement, um, but yet it, it just kind of feels and it just feels like it's an attempt to avoid a second fine from UEFA, like it was incurred last year at huge expense, expense to the club. And I just don't think it, it just doesn't seem to make sense. No, it really doesn't. Um, again, he, he, Shane has been promoted from opposition analyst to now first team manager, so players would have been looking at barely barely would have seen Shane under probably Vinny and, and whoever was there but previous. So now he's manager and it just, I, I don't think it'll bode well between the management team of last year and Shane being there now. I know Mark Scanlon came out and he did say that they're going, they'll monitor and they'll look for, at it on the touchline. But then I seen Stephen Donald and St. Pat's got a bit of, uh, of uh, questions labelled at them as well where Stephen O'Donnell doesn't have a pro licence, he's going to go on it, and Alan Matthews, and Stephen O'Donnell came out and said, Alan Matthews is manager, and he's coach, first team head coach. So, again, he's like, titles don't really matter, it's them all pulling together, but I think they probably, in Dundalk, or in, in Pats, they probably have a better structure, because Dundalk looks a bit of a mess at the minute, if, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I suppose time will tell on all of that sort of stuff. And maybe I'm completely misreading the situation. A couple of other results. I'm just going to fly through some of the scores since we last had a, a show recording. Last Tuesday, Shells, Wexford 4-1 to the Reds. UCD and Bray played out a three-all draw uh, on Tuesday night as well. Some other games on Friday evening. Shells and Sligo, 2-0 to Sligo. Romeo Parks and Johnny Kenny, another strike from him. Uh, he's had a phenomenal preseason. Um, we might talk about whether you see him in the starting lineup on on Saturday when they take on Dundalk, or is it just a bridge too far just yet for the Riverstown youngster? Longford a big win over Cabinteely six nil, and Galway and Bowes played what looked to be a fairly entertaining game, two uh, one Bowes the winners on that game, and then a whole raft of games on Saturday afternoon. Um, Athlone played twice; they played Longford and Treaty, uh, one all draw with Longford, nil all draw with Treaty. Uh, Bray Wanders, a big win at Drogheda, 4-1. Bowes, uh, again, 6-1 winners against, Co- 6-0 winners against Cove. Harps and Cork, uh, Finn Harps with a 1-0 win there. And uh, Wexford, Waterford, local derby down in the southeast. Waterford winning 1-0, as you probably expect, first division against Premier Division. And finally, then UCD with another fixture, uh, 2-0 defeat to Pats. Uh, some pretty big scores in there, particularly for Bowes, Longford, 6-0 wins over first division opposition. Um, can you read much into the, the, the results at this stage of the season, or is it really just about getting lads out and seeing what they're capable of at this point? Yeah, look, it's about getting minutes into the lads and get the fitness in. Um, yes, results, don't get me wrong, it helps the week before the, the, the season starts to get that little bit of momentum going in and a bit of confidence in the lads. But deep down, it's it's probably yeah, the managers probably would have had it close to what team they would start come the season because they'd want the guys to be playing together as much as possible. Um, I wouldn't look into it too much, but it's it's good for the season uh, opener to, to, to go in with a win rather than 
it's better to be having a six nil win than being on a six nil defeat. Absolutely. Let's cast our eye towards those opening games next weekend. And there's some absolute humdingers, local derbies all over the place. You've got uh, Shams and Pats on live on RTE on Friday evening. Um, let's maybe start with that one. It's not the first game of the season, but let's start there. Um, Shamrock Rovers, a little bit of a smartin from last weekend's penalty defeat to, to Dundalk. Uh, Pats at home, you'd expect them to start off well, but the Stephen O'Donnell-led Pats, it's, it's interesting to see how they're going to f- look this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. First game of the season, Derby, Dublin Derby. Um, as I said, I was I, I was impressed with Shamrock Rovers. Um, they, have such, they have such depth in their squad, you know. Aaron Green was on the bench, you know, to come on. It, it's just... It, like you know, with that the new signing Sean Gannon, Sean Hoare still have the Snappy Lopez from last year, and you know, Lee Grace, they still have a, a fantastic squad. But I also think that Stephen O'Donnell has has recruited well, he's recruited league winners, um, with the likes of John Mountney, Paddy Barish, um, and he's got Ronan Coughlin from, from Sligo Rovers. I think it's going to be. A very, very good opener for us to see, and I, I, I think it's going to be a draw. First game for for, for the between them. I think the the, it, the first game of the season is always. I, I never judge a team until five six games in, um, because players are still finding their feet. It's these preseason games are good, but then the level just takes it up a notch, and fitness is going to be a big thing. And if anything, I think Shamrock Rovers might have to their advantage probably fitness-wise, ahead of Pats, but I can see this being a, a draw. Okay, the other game on Friday night, Drogheda and Waterford. Um, we're going to hear from Drogheda chairman Connor Hoy later in the show, but uh, it's a big night in head in the game park on Friday night for, for the club back in the top division. Uh, they're hosting a, a Waterford that's kind of an unknown quantity, really. Yeah, um, you know it's great to see Drogheda back up, and, and and Tim Clancy has been playing some some football in the first division. Can he transpire that into the into the Premier? I think he can because he, he signed really well. Um, Waterford, as we, as you said, a bit of an unknown. Um, a lot of loanies, a lot of young. Uh, I think we spoke in the first show. A lot of young uh, young kids, albeit they're they're talented, but it's a big step up from 19s to Premier Division football. I can only see I can see a draw to win here. Um they'll have the buzz for being back uh back in the Premier after being so long out of it. So I'm going for um uh, a win for Draw here in this game. A big statement uh, there if, if that happens from in terms of where they'll finish up this season. Uh, Saturday evening three games all kicking off at six o'clock all on the watch LOI service. Finn Harps and Bowes up in Finn Park. Let's start there. Um Harps People predicting them to struggle. They always predict them to struggle, um, but they are kind of they've signed fairly well over the the close season, and I think there's a, a little bit of a steal in that side this year. But Bowes will be a tough uh, tough task for them on Friday night. Yeah, look, uh, Bally Buffet. It's never easy to go. Um, as I said in the, in, the, in the first episode, that Bowes have a couple of new signings, and the first game away to, to Finn Harps is welcome to the league. But uh, yeah, Harps Harps have recruited well. Um, they're always at home, no matter who they play. They're always it's one of them fixtures you look and go. You always think they they get something, you know. So, but on first game of the season again, it's going to be a difficult one. But I think Bowes 
overall will have the quality um, and and the experience. I think Bowls have just they've kicked on over the last couple of years, and I think if they really want title ambitions and want to be challenging the title, these are the these are the games that they, they need to win. But as I said, first game of the season, majority majority teams will want to get off to a win and start. But uh, I think Bowls will nick it. I think they'll have just too much quality for for Finn Harps. And it'll be, it'll be a, a close one. Yeah, then of course, uh, Longford, they're also the new boys in the division. They host Derry City at Bishopsgate on Saturday. That game also kicking off at 6 p.m. Uh, Derry have added a couple of strong attacking options. Longford have a couple of new faces in there, but you'd have to really expect Derry to, to kind of edge this one, surely. Yeah, I, I think Derry will edge it. Uh, I'll be all. All again, a little just by the 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 odd goal, I think, because Longford again have that bounce of effect coming into the Premier, haven't been in in I don't know how many years. Um, but I just think Derry have their season pros. They've been here, they've done that lovely, lovely stadium. Um, in, in what's the Bishop Gate? Is it or is it changed? Is it changed? Yeah. yeah, it changes so, every other year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um. I just think Derry will, will will love playing there, and I think uh, it'll be a, a tough night for for Long, Longford. But I think they'll they'll put it up to them. And I think Derry will just make it. I think. I think if Parkhouse brings his scoring boots from mm. from two seasons ago, they could be in in serious trouble on on Saturday evening. And finally, the game you're going to be at, you're covering it live with uh, with the local radio station Ocean FM, is in the showgrounds, and it's the the visit of the FAI Cup champions and the Presidents Cup champions to your former clubs, Sligo Rovers, and. Dundalk, how do you see that one going? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, and uh, we spoke there at the start about. I'm looking forward to seeing Johnny Kenny live, uh, whether he'll start or not. I think he has to start. He's he's in form, but uh, do I see him starting? Possibly not. I think Romeo might lead the lead the lead the line, you know. Um, but I'd like to see Johnny. He come into a game where the unknown again. He's no fear. First game of the season. But um, it's going to be tough, as I said. Dundalk look physically fit; they they look strong again. And I think Sligo Sligo Rovers is it's it's difficult to have a small squad this year. Um, a lot of lads didn't play in preseason uh, much. Gary Buck was injured. Shane Blaney, you know, Greg Bulger went off um, in the Athlone game. I don't know how he is. So it's going to be it's going to be a test of. It's going to be close, but I think maybe Dundalk will cut edges um, solely on um, the fitness side of things, and I think it could be late on. But of course, I'm saying that saying that, Brefany, Rovers are always the bogey team for Dundalk, and always, and it doesn't when you write them off. That's when they cut. Yeah, we talked about this, I think, two weeks ago on the show. Uh, Ed McGinty has a phenomenal record of saving penalties against Patrick Hoban. Maybe, I know it's been talked about in, in plenty of places, it's not just us that's been noticing it, but I think it's three from four saves or or four from five, I'm not quite sure, but it's it's been a pretty dismal scoring record for Hoban on that, so it'd be interesting to see uh, if there's a penalty awarded, uh, will he step up to take it? My bet is probably, that's another concern, is that only one goalkeeper has really featured for them in pre-season, um, Richard Brush hasn't played. James Robinson hasn't really featured either. Ed McGinty seems to have played, from what I could see, I, I might be wrong on that, but has played the majority of the time, unlike other teams that are kind of trying to keep her here for 45 minutes and a keeper there for 45 minutes. Uh, it just seems to be such a small 
tight, compact squad. Um, and I think if there's any further injuries, they could be in in a similar situation to last year. But I think they have the quality in the squad to to survive a bad start, and they have the quality to kind of push on. I think maybe that they didn't have last year that they now have that little bit of experience. If, if they get everybody fit, I think they'll be comfortable uh, in mid-table and maybe push on to credit finish last year as well. Uh, but Dundalk, I was going to say, have their own um, promising youngster coming through in Ryan O'Kane. He really impressed me in the one or two games I watched. I saw him against Bowes, I saw him against Strada, and he looks really, really decent. Yeah, he looks really, really decent. And by all accounts, he's, he's going to be a top, top player. And I think he, it was, was it under 15 he got player of the tournament up the north for uh, in one of the it's like kind of the May Cup or whatever it was. Um, and by speaking to a few, they, they say he's he's going to be a class act, you know. Um, I was hoping to see him on get a run out against Shamrock Rovers uh, the last night, but obviously you know that you have to protect the, the the young lad as well. And um, whether this game on Saturday night is. Will will he or won't he get a run? I think it probably they'll probably hold him back because um Dundalk hate coming to Slag Rovers and that's the the hate coming west and it will it's going to be a tough tough game. I'm really really looking forward to it actually. It's it's between Shan Shan McRovers and Pat's and this game is definitely the the two picks of the weekend. Absolutely. And of course, all these games are available to watch on Watch LOI. Uh, each game individually is five euros, but you can get, get all of the games to either watch live or to uh, to pick up afterwards if you want to watch all of the games on be busy Saturday night catching up on all the games that have taken place. Uh, I think it's 59 euros for the whole week. We obviously were giving away three uh, Watch LOI passes on the show this week. All you got to do is sign up for uh, our mailing list on finalwhistle.ie forward slash newsletter and you'll be able to get uh, in your name in the draw for that and we wish you all the very best of luck for one of those prizes uh, later in the week. Uh, Alan, we're going to move on with a, a guest uh, with an interview now. We're going to have a chat uh, with something that really caught my attention last week and that's um, the new partnership between Bose and DCU. So we're going to have a chat with Dan Lambert and Ken Robinson of DCU. I'm going to bring Daniel Lambert into the conversation at this point. Of course, Daniel is the uh, Chief Operating Officer of Bohemians FC. You're very welcome to the program. Um, It's great to have you on. Uh, How's life been for you in in Bohemians? It seems like a fairly exciting times in Fibsra at the moment. Yeah, now there's been a whole host of things happening almost daily. So it's been been busy and exciting. Looking forward to the season kicking off. But we've made a made a lot of progress um over the last over the last number of years but even over the last number of months so it's a it's a good time for sure around the club yeah of course there's lots of talk about um stadiums and i suppose the, the matt doherty transfer got a lot of attention towards the end of last season and but there's been a lot of really good initiatives from the club and we're going to talk about some of them in a little bit of more detail which later on in the segment but but first of all the one that really caught my attention last week and i think it's it's groundbreaking and it's definitely eye-opening in terms of what the league is capable of, both from a community point of view, a holistic look at the, the player and the person rather than just what can that individual give to the club uh, is your link up with DCU. Tell us a little bit about this 18-year, I'm going to say that again, 18-year relationship uh, that you've started with DCU last week because I thought it was a misprint when I saw it first. I thought it was 18 months. 18 years, what is the whole package? Um, I suppose it, it began around September time. You know, we decided the, the board of the club decided uh, strategically that we wanted to get away from a situation 
where first of all, on a facility basis that we, we rent kind of year on year and have short term arrangements. We had a brilliant partner in TU Dublin and, and full credit to all, everybody involved at TU Dublin. But we began to look, I suppose, at the increase in number of, of underage teams in League of Ireland. Also, our own footprint as a club in terms of, you know, the amputee team, the growth of the women's and girls sections. And we recently received um, direct government funding on a three year program under the National Integration um, Fund to kind of work with kids from non-Irish backgrounds. So there's lots of areas of the club that are growing. And ultimately, we wanted to try and have a, a, a base where we could operate, you know, more teams from and have a clear pathway and, and an identity. And identity was a big part of it in terms of visually being able for players to feel that this was their home. Um, and that process, I suppose, began to look at lots of options from a greenfield site um, to maybe acquiring a site that was previously used for sport or linking in with it, whether it's a, you know, a second level, third level. Um, lots of options were on the table and a lot of really great meetings with, with lots of potential kind of partners. And then um, when I began to speak to DCU, DCU was obviously very local to, to Daily Mount and to Fibsbury. Also, I, I studied there for a number of years myself, so knew the people there. We'd been there before about a decade ago. And it just began to come together quite quick. And really what the partnership is, is one element is facilities in terms of, you know, they have a, a world-class facility up there. It really is fantastic. What Ken has built there is a high-performance environment. Uh, some key Keith had drawn up a kind of a wish list from his perspective and the things that were important there were identity, uh, obviously the quality of facility in terms of gym analysis, meeting rooms, but also this idea and you see it at the DCU facility where somebody's in a recovery area or the gym or the analysis room, they can see out onto the pitch and, the, and those on the pitch can see back in. So this sense of connectedness, if we had a 17s and 19s and first team session at the same time, people could see the pathway. Um, so that was one side of it and we we wanted to put in a capital investment ourselves. Um, to add other facilities that, that we need to also build another pitch. But as importantly, and I'd say most importantly, when we began to meet DCU, the values of DCU as a university, their kind of desire to have a positive impact on, on society through predominantly through education, but also through sport and, and outreach activities, very similar to the Bohemians ethos and the work that they do in the local area um, outside of education and um, the work that we do and also the areas for collaboration in terms of academic staff that can work with, with our kind of high performance environment, but also the opportunities we can offer students uh, and a whole multitude of areas in the club, whether it's media, marketing, e-commerce, you know, analysis, the whole range of areas. And we really feel there can be a deep collaborative partnership between um, what is two, two pretty big institutions in the north side of Dublin. So, um, yeah, it was brilliant. 18 years, I said, to, to come together with that partnership, it gives us such uh, security over that period and such a brilliant facility and something that we're going to invest in and in, in quite a large degree ourselves and improve it for all, for all sports and also to be in with people like the Dublin GAA setup is is just brilliant for 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 everybody absolutely and i suppose it takes just before you come in and we're going to bring somebody else into the conversation and then we'll kind of open that up completely but um it does take two to tango and one i know who likes a dance or two usually to simply red uh, that's a bit of an in joke he might tell you about it himself uh, is ken robinson who's the ceo of dcu sport ken uh you're the second half of this relationship why does it make sense for dcu to get involved with bohemians Good evening, lads. Uh, Brefney, thanks for that. And, and we will clarify the Simply Red in a second because that's so implicit that it's, uh, it'll reverberate around. Um, myself and Brefney were at World University Games in Belgrade in 2009. And uh, he was working really hard on the committee and I was assistant head of mission. And four of us one night went to see Simply Red and I bought the tickets as a treat. So it was a bit of a holding back the years. There you go. <laughs> what more can I say? <laughs> anyway... Going back to why we're here, um, 
I really believe the longer I'm in sport, and, and I've been involved in many sports, whether it's um, Gaelic football, hockey, soccer, um, basketball, I, if I was to leave DCU today and never return, the three legacies that I'm very proud of uh, bringing in are DCU Mercy in the basketball, as you know, with Mark Ingle, Dublin GA through Pillar, then Pat, then Jim, now Desi, and now Bohemians. And we've built a facility there that's primarily for students. Let's be very emphatic about that. It's primarily for DCU students, and we never make any excuse about that. That's our purpose. That's why we exist. And through the university senior management, we've worked hard by probably investing at this stage about six to seven million in the facility over the last 16 years to bring it to a standard of excellent grass pitches, excellent astro pitch, excellent gym, um, meeting rooms, etc. And the one thing that we've realized along the way is an awful lot of facilities in Ireland are built where you only have one stakeholder and 80% of the time it's empty, but you're appeasing one stakeholder or one unit of stakeholders. And we've realized a long time ago that to really make it work, you need to have a sort of a dual strand approach where you've got your internal stakeholder, but you've got your external one. And the reason for the external stakeholder is you maximize the time, you maximize the partnership moving forward where you can develop things, hence the 18 years of Bowles. And it also gives a life. You've got a life in the facility. I was down there today from nine o'clock. I left at six and Keith was there with, with the lads this morning in the gym. They'd be going on the pitch later on. Our scholars are allowed to use in, under lockdown, use the gym eight at maximum. They're using the pitch, they're using the track. And to see a life, there's nothing worse than a facility that's empty 80% of the time. To move into why Bohemian FC, and I really would believe that great people can get things going. And from the minute I met Dan Lambert and Chris Bryan, they were the two key stakeholders for me. Dan was a driver and Chris has been a very honorable person to deal with for many, many years for me. And it just felt right. I've had League of Ireland teams approach me over the last 16 years. And one was in West Dublin. It didn't make sense. One was in South Dublin. Didn't make sense. And the values and the philosophies of Bohemian FC and their local community engagement and the, their ethos that they have that, yes, football is their core product, just like education is the core product of the university. But beyond that, there are many more peripheral factors that add value to a holistic approach and really strong values. So Bohemian made great, great sense to, to us. Um, and from my own perspective, the facilities, we had the capacity to uh, welcome them in. And it's exciting that I believe in the next three to four years, we'll work on developing the facilities together for the benefit of really, I suppose, now three key stakeholders, which are DCU, Bohemian FC and Dublin GA. Ken, obviously, I've been in your facilities as well when I was on Dock, and it was, I was absolutely bowled away with it. It was class. Uh, I really opened my eyes. Uh, question for Dan would be uh, how important did, I know it's been uh, said in the media about the Matt Doherty deal and, and the 1, 1.5 million. Would, would, this, would this still have happened? Uh, was this still in the pipeline? Even if, say, Matt Doherty hadn't hadn't moved, and and like if you think back, is it 2011 when things weren't going great? I think the last two or three years, four years actually, you've come on leaps and bounds. 
not only on the pitch but off the pitch as well, which is great to see. But how important or was it majorly important that one point five million? Um, I'd say this was part of our plan anyway. And it's funny, did we need the Matt Doherty money to do this uh, arrangement? The, the honest answer is no, we didn't. Would we, Would it have went ahead without it? Um, I perhaps don't think it would have went ahead as quickly. Um, we, yeah. could have, we couldn't have had all the strands. So the development, for instance, of the all-weather pitch, which, which we have in for sports capital, that will, will require a fairly significant capital investment by, by Bohemians. Would that have been possible without the Doherty money? It would have been possible, but it would not have been maybe a pretty good move right now. Um, and in terms of some of the other facility developments. So I'd say I think the process wouldn't really have began. We would have waited about another 12 to 18 months um, to begin the process just to give ourselves give ourselves some comfort financially. I suppose in terms of obviously the, the performance environment that you've built there, Ken, over the last decade and a half or so since you came into the role, um, are Bohemians looking to kind of get that little bit of a rub off Dublin GAA as well in terms of just being in that environment of where it's it's you've got the lads walking in the gym maybe alongside or, or next door to, to Dublin and, and they're able to kind of get that kind of just that, that confidence and that little bit of a, a rub off them? I think when myself and Dan were, were, were meeting about developing, for example, the dressing rooms and developing, you know, the meeting room area and looking at all those peripherals i think the the triangulation for an environment are talented players and obviously talented support team manager keith has great philosophies as well been really enjoyable to meet keith and share philosophies and really could talk to him all day and listen to him all day he's great i think the second thing is that you've got an environment that is befitting you know you look at old footage of football matches on tv and you sometimes think my god how did that pitch survive back then and it's moved on a standard. But you want to bring a lad in. Keith wants to be able to bring a player in, walk in and see those dressing rooms from the car park to the dressing rooms, to the meeting room, to the, the analysis room, to the gym, out on the pitch. Even though they might not be there at the same time as Dublin, you can just sense an atmosphere. And as I said last week at the press conference, it is championship standard in England. There's no doubt about that. You know, we're, we're not Carrington and we're not City and we're not, you know, the, the top premiership. That's that's Hollywood. That's moved a different level. But it's definitely as good as you'd go into in any championship team. So I think when you bring that in, regardless of there, and you look at the, the, the work that Bowles have put in, the, you know, when Jackie Jemison and Dave Tilson and, you know, players like that are up on the wall and Glenn Crow, there's just a history and a heritage. And one, the last thing I would say on that would be, the relationship with Bohemian FC is authentic. It's real. And regardless of being 18 or 28 or 8 or 18 months, whatever, it's real because of really, really good people, Dan and Chris and the team. And also, it's a member's club. It's it's there. It's not about that if Dan leaves, the club fails. It's not built on that autocratic culture. And, and I was listening to Damien Hughes the other day talk about the Barcelona way and that sort of you know community commitment culture that's built for everyone there. That's why it's sustainable. And if I left DCU tonight and decided not to go back, this will will continue. Not down to me. Same with Dan. That, that we've built something now on a very good basis. Will Bowles have the use of like basically uh, sports science or is that is that involved in it like or yeah, um, what we've done initially is and we want to be very clear and Dan will will, will reiterate this. We wanted this to be very clear as a relationship that it wasn't like as I, I've said the other day, it wasn't built on DCU sport being put on the Bowles jersey. 
There's no value in that for us. That that's up to Bowles to leverage that another way. This is not about little sort of you know ideas. Oh yeah, get our name in the jersey and get up some hoarding. It's it's more real than that, and it's more sustainable than that. The initial relationship is based around facilities, and then my colleagues in in the the the, the wider university will be working on things like intra placements for for students. Uh, adding value through the different departments, whether it's you know digital marketing, whether it's PR, communications, uh, sports science, that will be an addition. Along with scholarship, hasn't been mentioned in the pure sense at this stage. Who knows down the road? But they are all avenues that can be explored and developed, and the relationship can continue. But as we speak at this very moment in time, the nucleus of it is the facilities. In terms of, I suppose, uh, the bigger picture and and what's actually involved from, say, say I'm a, a parent in the North Dublin area and I have a child who has a little bit of talent, he's 8, 9, 10, uh, what do Bose and DCU combine now offer that might be different to, to the alternatives in the in the Dublin region? Is that, that for myself, Rafi? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I suppose as a club, I suppose what we offer first of all before going to that is the, the approach, the ages you've mentioned there, and like I'm not an expert on the football side, but I think we have to be be careful about how young we go and and when does someone? I don't even like the term elite personally, um, you know, it's used for football, but I'd say what we'd offer, a, a, you know, a kid or a young person getting into football is first of all a positive environment to express themselves, to make friends, to to enjoy what they're doing first and foremost, and to feel that that this is an, an area where they're going to be supported and that they are a child. Um, you know, and uh, and that they enjoyed it, their time with the club, and then obviously we have our partnership with uh, with St Kevin's from on the League of Ireland side. So we have a great we have a great geographical area there in terms of you know that we we work with St Kevin's obviously on their pitches in St Aidan's, which are as the crow flies a couple of hundred meters from DCU. Um, and ultimately now with a facility, if you get you get a bit older and you're in the, in, in into the you know the fourteens or fifteens League of Ireland team, the the pitch that we have the application of the build that that's where our our youth teams will play their League of Ireland games. Then you move into the, you know, into the 15s, 17s, 19s. You're going into an environment in DCU, where, as as Ken said, it's a championship environment. You know, you have your your own locker, your name. You're 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 seeing the other teams around you. Um, but as a club, I suppose what's really important for us, and we've done this kind of quietly. We haven't actually announced this. The first time I've mentioned it anywhere. We've developed in the background a thing called the Player Development Program, which encompasses um, educational support, um, mental health, and encompasses mentorship. There's uh, ex-player kind of guidance, and we've we've an investment, a financial investment in there from the club, um, and to kind of give this total wraparound package for our players that you know a player a player is a person, and while we value them as a player first and foremost, and that's why they've arrived to the club, we absolutely value them as a person just as much. And with that program, which we'll probably announce properly in a couple of weeks' time, um, you know we're very keen that if a player enters that program and they benefit from these supports that we offer. Whether or not they're a Bohemian's player in 12 months is irrelevant. That program remains to support them. So I think that all of those areas, I think ultimately as a club, we want to give a player the, the best environment for them to reach their potential in their football career, but also in, in their broader broader sense of their own personal lives. And, and I think if you can do both, that's when somebody's really fulfilling their potential and, and has a proper balance between the two. Because we do need to recognise as a, as a league, that even a top league of Ireland earner, and it's very often I've realised at the at the clubs that you know, and I don't like the term bigger clubs, maybe at the clubs who are paying slightly more wages than the average, that a player can be lured into a false sense of security there with a short career that they have enough money week by week to not develop other areas of their lives, and that is a fast closing window, and the league doesn't provide enough money for anybody in this league 
to, to retire at the end of their playing career. And I don't think that day will ever arrive. So as clubs and as a league, we should be really aware of that and, and make sure that we equip players with the with the, the tools and the skills to transition out of the game. It's so important. I think that's fantastic, Dan, because uh, throughout my time, I just felt like clubs, you're being used from nine months of the year and then good luck to you. And if you come back, you come back. If you don't, you don't. And I think to hear you say that, you know, clubs value as a person and even if they're not at that club in 12 months, like I, my saying always says, if if you're happy uh, off the pitch, you're happy on the pitch, and uh, that that and and the only ones that will benefit really from that as well is is the team, is the club and the individual themselves, which I think it's fantastic to hear. So fair play, Chief. Thanks. Yeah, it's a really really positive step. I think, and as I said at the start of the the conversation, it's I think it's a game changer for maybe how clubs should be looking at the league and developing um, off the pitch because I think that the product on the pitch is is actually at a fairly decent level now. I think we can our players can compete at a really good level in the UK if they go over they they excel. Uh, I think clubs and you're leading that along with one or two others who have really pushed the boat out in terms of facilities and and kind of aiming higher than maybe has been before so my hat is off to both of you and as someone who played in the first game that ever took place in St. Clair's as it was back then uh, before anybody uh, in the conversation had a chance down there um, it's great to see it used at such an elite level and really uh, to see it come on over the last 20 years. Dan, Ken we've run out of time unfortunately, thank you so much for joining us, I'm sure we'll be chatting to um, either or both of you over the course of the next couple of seasons as we progress this show as well so uh, the very best luck to you for both both of you this season and uh, Ken I know you're involved with Westmead footballers as well we probably shouldn't mention that in the League of Ireland chat but the best luck to both of you this season Great Thanks Alan Thanks Like I said at the start Alan uh, game changer in my opinion for where the league is um, in terms of its ambition your thoughts? Yeah I think it's I think it's brilliant and I, I think 18 years is just, uh, it, it's something for the younger generation coming through to look forward to. Not It's not just a one year or two year, like token gesture kind of stuff. It's it's for the future. And I think it's, as you said, total game changing. And as they said, in a couple of years time, they'll be developing the scholars kind of stuff. Uh, and I think, I think it's just fantastic all around the league. I can see a lot more clubs will follow suit. Well, a lot, of, a lot of clubs, to be fair, are, are doing yeah. it um, and we're going to catch up with another club who are doing some fantastic things off the pitch over the last couple of years. Uh, Connor Hoy of Drogheda United joins us. Connor, uh, Chairman of Drogheda, welcome to the show. Good evening. How are you both? Connor. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, welcome back to the Premier Division. And uh, what's it like kind of to, to see yourself lining out uh, next Friday night in the, the Premier Division of the League of Ireland? Uh, it's great. Personally, it's great. It's great to to be. Well, it's, it's great fun being the chairman of a Premier League club again. To be honest with you, and uh, sort of following in my my late father's footsteps. You know, we we won the league and the cups and everything else under him. So, you know, it'd be nice if we had a good season uh, in his memory this season. But uh, no, it's great. Look, it's great for the town. It's great for the club. Great for the players. Um, I'm delighted for them. The players who've stuck with us for a number of years and the management team. You know, Tim and Kev. You know, I'm delighted they've stuck with us for three years and it is a just reward for them. But we're a Premier League. We've always been a Premier League club in my eyes. You know, when I was a kid in the 70s, we were one of the top clubs in the country. You know, we've had our ups and downs. We had our big winning years in the 2000s. And I believe we are a Premier League club and this is where we should be. 
And uh, you talked you talked there about uh, obviously Premier. I, I always thought you were a Premier uh, League side. I always thought you're too too good to be down there in the first division. Um, Tim has done an absolute excellent job. Um, I felt from the year was it the year before we lost out the playoffs, and then last year, and also this year. Looking forward to this year. I think he's signed really really good. Um, I don't think you'll have I don't think you'll have too much of a problem. I think you'd be you'd be all right this year. Uh, as in terms of uh, the season ahead, how um, I've seen you, you've obviously changed the name of the stadium, the head in the game. How had that come about, or or how? Sure. How yeah. That... Well, initially, what it was, um, this is pre-COVID. We did this uh, initiative where we were trying to sign up like a hundred corporate patrons, and you know, at a, I think it was five hundred quid a year. You know, would have brought us revenue for two years, and then. Uh, we were going to put the 50 or the 100 names in the hat, pick one of them out, and the winner would get to name the stadium after their chosen charity. So we were in the middle of that when COVID hit. <laughs> so we had about 40 signed up. But of course, you know, with everything last year, the league stopped. It was just we, we missed the, you know, the, the chance wasn't there to really uh, capitalize on what we were doing. So I, I basically, about three weeks ago, and we, it was a mixture of corporate patrons and individuals, et cetera. And um, so I put the 40 names in a hat three weeks ago and pulled out one. And it was a uh, local councillor, actually, Joanna Byrne, who is heavily involved with the club. She's terrific. And she's our community. Uh, she works on our community team. And, um, you know, she it was her idea. Mental health is a big thing, you know, for her. And uh, I thought it was brilliant. And the, the, the background to it, is that maybe it must be three years ago? Our ultras, you know, the Drada ultras, uh, had a big sign up um, at one of the matches, going, you know, it's okay not to be okay. And I think this is amazing to see, you know, fifteen and sixteen year olds having the guts to put a, 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 a flag like that up, a banner like that up at a League of Ireland ground. And I, I, you know, this is not imagined back in my day as a sixteen year old, or you know even yours you know did we talk about mental health as teenagers did we help yeah, like we didn't yeah. have the guts to do it and i think the bravery of the kids to raise that and to raise it in a in a what's well, a very masculine you know alpha male environment of football to raise and i think that was brilliant i was really proud of our uh, supporters doing that and i think you know building on that we've had a real always had a focus on on mental health at drada and in the community for the last few years and uh we've i think it's just a great initiative so we thought look uh, let's do it this season. It, it, it gets a bit of publicity for a really good cause. It brings mental health to the forefront of players, supporters, viewers on TV, mm. and the media. Because when you see head in the game park, and you know, if it makes if one person reaches out to somebody for a conversation, uh, and if it saves one life or or makes life better for one person, it's worth it. So I'm really delighted. I'm very proud of it. What we've done there. Yeah, definitely caught my attention last week as well. I think it's just, it's a little bit different. And uh, my commendations to everybody involved in that decision uh, within the club and obviously to Joanna as well. In terms of, I suppose, the, the football going forward, what, what we, people can expect to see at Head in the Game Park for the next uh, eight, nine months of the season. Um, you've recruited pretty well through the offseason, as Alan said. There's a couple of players in there. Uh, Rona Murray's a league champion with Dundalk, Dan Massey the same. Um Dinny Corcoran's been around. I think he probably has a league title in his in his back locker as well. I'm not quite sure. He's definitely got a couple of medals in there at various clubs over the years. You must be fairly confident of of, of being competitive in that division this season. 
yeah, Tim, Tim's recruited really cleverly. Look, we're, we're a pretty small budget, you know, we're seven grand a week budget, you know, we're, we're, we're hardly breaking the bank here. So I know we've got one of the lowest budgets in the league. And, um, but Tim has been very astute. First of all, he signed up all the good players who got us to where we are. And I think that loyalty to, to those lads is great. They deserve a shot. I think a lot of them are undoubtedly premier quality, you know, I think Connor Kane, our left back, and Jimmy Brown, our right back, will prove to be the best fullbacks in the league. I think they are. Uh, they were in the first division. I think they can prove the same in the in the in the Premier. So I think we've got some outstanding lads there who who can really show the Premier that they're Premier qualities. Mark Doyle and, and many others, and we've got some great young lads coming through as well. So the, Tim then needed to bring in a bit more experience. Gary Deegan, uh, Dane, as you say. Um, and, you know, them alongside, you know, people like whether it's Huey Douglas or Chris Lyons or, you know, we've got a real lovely mix of people in the team, some 18, 17, 19 year olds as well, um, who then look up to some of these more experienced pros who've been there and they can help them on and off the pitch. So it's to me, it's all about getting the blend right in the dressing room. And you can see I can see them training. I see the relationship they have with Tim, with each other. It feels right to me. So. Uh, we play good football. We've been the top scorers in the in the in the in the in the first division for the last couple of years, and um, we're exciting to watch. Um, I won't be complaining if we won it, if we win every match one nil, but um, but I, I think we're I, we we generally do play good football, and and I think we've got some exciting lads there. And you know when you bring in like Dara Markey from Pats, oh he's he's just a joy to watch. He really is such a talented footballer. Uh, Ronan, you saw the goal he scored against Dundalk a couple of weeks ago, thirty yards top corner. Um, Again, you know, we've got a lot of exciting players there, but we've got some, you know, there's some, we've got get, we feel like Gary, Gary Deegan there is, as I say, rock solid. Um, you know, we've people like Jake Harland have been around for a long time with the club as well. So look, I'm, I'm delighted. There's a real feel good factor around the club at the moment. A lot of positivity, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch with all the people involved in the club. And, but there's no pressure, right? I want to make that, that's really, make that clear. You know, if we're top of the league after five games or bottom of the league after five games, we'll be as we'll be all feeling the same way, right? You know, because we're, there's no pressure on anyone here. This is I want the players to go out and enjoy themselves, and and you know, and I, I want a, I want a happy dressing room, I want a happy club. We can't win everything, but we'll do our best. That's all I'll ask. And Connor, um, I see there recently again you're doing great stuff off the pitch. You've linked up, is it with the PFAI? To, yes, Alan. Could you explain yeah, a bit right. more about that? Yeah, it's a little bit akin to what Dan was talking about earlier. Excuse me. Um, so what we did is very similar to, uh, as I say, what Dan was mentioning. You know, I'm, uh, and then I think you said it. You know, a happy player off the pitch is a happy player on the pitch, right? This is really key. And so, to me, anything we can do to help our players off the pitch is good. So, the same vein, I've worked with um, uh, Dr. Emma Burrows uh, at the PFAI, who's terrific, and with with Ollie Cahill there and, and Stephen and building a program whereby, and we launched it a couple of weeks ago with the players. So um, we're trying to identify areas of interest for the players. So if the younger players might be interested in more educational areas. If I have players who've got, uh, uh, five of them might be interested in work in the media. Let's just take an example that I'll bring people in to talk to them. I work in finance. I've got two or three guys who are interested in work, working in finance. I've got some people at the ages of 17, not sure where they want to go leaving school. I've got guys at 32, not sure about their career after football. We've got guys in the middle who might be looking at setting up their own business. So 
what we're doing is for each player, we're looking at development plans, getting them in place by the middle of the year, and then matching them with people who can advise them. And I'm really looking for a mentorship program there. So, and I'm going to pick myself as an example here, and I'm sure Colin won't mind me doing this, but Colin McCabe, our, our goalkeeper. So Colin's studying in finance. This is just a good example. Uh, he's doing an accountancy degree. And, you know, he's going to need uh, an internship at some point in that. I work for a company which is in the financial sector. And, you know, I'm going to probably end up being a bit of a mentor to to to, to Collie and, and how he can get in on that side of the business. And maybe I'll maybe I'll give him a, 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 a um, uh, an internship or something like that. And or I can certainly advise him on how to develop his career there. So we've got all these sponsors in our in our club and all these, you know, I've got anything from Turkish Airlines through to motor sales through to print companies you know vast amount of architects doctors whatever legal um, uh, and uh, building companies and I, I just look at this and i got we've got all these great people involved in the club as sponsors as, as volunteers and they can be great sources of advice to players to help them so i'm trying to match players up over the and and the pfai you know are brilliant at identifying the skills doing the one-to-ones with the players it could be reskilling. It could be education. It could be training as a coach. It could be how do we, um, you know? And I had one last week. Or, or, you know, just we, we saw somebody had a job offer, and we said, I said, let's send it into the PFAI, and they can circulate among the members there and see if there's a football on it. And you know, so I I think um, here's where I'm coming out from this as well. I how can I put this? I think players. I, I think industry very unfairly looks down on footballers. So that's, I, and I mean that in a really, mm. you know, rugby players, everybody go, oh, well, they all went to Black Rock and, you know, yeah. Trinity and whatever, you know, and uh, they're all privately educated. So daddy will get them a job wherever. And, you know, and that's, that's a real, uh, that's, I'm really blasé and, and I'm stereotyping there. But my point is generally, you know, people in, in particularly in rugby get an easier break in life. And you know what I mean? And I think, unfairly the leadership skills that i see in footballers right and the ability to get on with people to confront difficult situations to lead people to assess things situational awareness sometimes when you're in a crisis footballers develop that much more than a lot of other people in other industries and i what i just think is we need to and i'm trying to encourage people to look at footballers as very smart people in many instances who we can help to get develop their careers so I, I always feel footballers have had a bit of a raw deal just because of the the flash harry thing you see in the uk with with yeah. footballers i think it's not fair but i mean alan i don't know whether am i being a bit you no, think I'm being no, fair? I no i totally agree with you and as you said there there's a lot of there's a lot of people look across the uk sure these footballers live in the flash life and should yeah. should they don't know nothing they've only played football since they were kids but we have a lot yeah. of very very uh, very lads are highly intelligent within the league that people don't even yeah. know about, and yeah. and life experiences, said, you know, yeah. life experience. Yeah. From even from being a professional footballer, mm. like I, I'll just pick as an example again. I mean, I, I just picked Dane Massey just as an example. I mean, Dane's been a professional for what ten years, I guess, if a full time professional, yeah. and now he's moving to part time us. But like Dane, if you meet him, he's a very impressive man. Full stop. Yeah. Not just a footballer. He's a bright man. He's intelligent. He's articulate. Uh, you you could you could almost see him going into loads of different positions yeah. now in the rugby world. And again, this is I don't I'm not going to go at rugby here. I don't even think I am. But in the rugby world, somebody would sort of go, "Oh, Dane, sure, let me see if we can get you a job in the bank," or uh, I, you know what I mean. There's there's a lot of people that help them out after football, 
do you, do you know what I mean? And you sometimes see it in the GAA as well. You see a lot of the fellas in the GAA get the job somewhere, would be helped to get jobs. And I don't think we do that enough in football. And Dan said it earlier when he was mentioning about Bohemians. It's like, you, you know, you, you look, you're trying to look after players on an ongoing basis, not just for six months or whatever it is, you know? Like, I want to, I'd love to see some of the, our players at my club that we help and I can, in 10 years' time, I'll see them in careers and think, you know what, you, you guys helped me to get in that route. And that would that would make it all worthwhile for me. I think it and makes this it... Is about, this is about attracting players to the club as well, Brefna. I was yeah. going to say, you know, I, I mean, I had a big long shot with Ronan Murray about it before we talked, before he, he signed, you know? And, uh, you know, that we want to, we you know, again, similar thing for Ronan, bright lad, lovely fella. Um, you know, has lived in the UK, worked in the UK, back here, pro footballer and all the rest of it. But again, you know, Ronan's got 30 years of work ahead of him. You know, he's only 29. Um, and he's got to figure out what he wants to do. And we have to help these guys. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I was just going to say, it becomes more attractive if you've decided that you want to be a part-time footballer and 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 educate yourself or to improve your own skill set. Um, it's the holistic view of it. And I think you mentioned Dan and what he was talking about as well. And it's very similar. Uh, that idea that the club gives something first to get something back. And, and that back getting it back might necessarily be on the pitch. That person could turn into the CEO of a multinational company and all of a sudden your budget is, is doubled in, in 10 years time. So it's not just about um, what happens on the pitch and maybe getting as a player for as cheap as you possibly can, which has been a problem across the league over the last couple of decades. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the old paid forward thing, isn't it? You know, I mean, if, if just do good by people and it'll come back to you in, 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 in different ways, you know, it's not going to work. Look, I'm not I'm not I'm not naive here. I'm not expecting that suddenly, uh, you know, this, this, we're going to change the world with stuff like this. It's it's little things that make the difference, you know, cumulatively little things. And I think the players respect the fact that we're trying. Right. You know, I don't not treating them as a commodity. I'm treating them as people like I would expect to be treated as an employee of a, of, of a company, you know, and I think that's important. Let's talk for a couple of minutes about two things, and it's really off the pitch stuff again um, before we talk about maybe where you'll be on Friday night. But the there's two things I wanted to can just briefly tell us about. One is where, where the stadium plans are at, and the second is the... The, the the new positions that have been created off the pitch and how much that has helped maybe the overall running of the club on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, okay. Uh, so the st stadium, we have a site uh, which can take uh, stadium, five or six training pitches, uh, can be the home of soccer in the Northeast, right? Of football in the Northeast, I shouldn't say soccer, football in the Northeast. And, uh, you know, that's, so we have a buyer for United Park, um, unfortunately, the government didn't give funding last week for what's called a northern access route, which is off the M1 to bring a route over towards the port of Drogheda. And that, the building of that road, and I think it is going to happen, uh, is going to create four or 5,000 new houses in an, and basically a new part of North Drogheda around where the stadium is going to be. So we're slightly, we're dependent before we can start a build on the stadium. Um, on that road getting built and giving us access to the site or better access to the site. There's a more of a laneway to the site at the moment. Um, so there was a big uh, kerfuffle in, in Drogheda last week and uh, in the Dáil as well about the fact that uh, Louth County Council hadn't been successful in their application for funding for this northern cross route. Um, but there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes to make sure that's going to happen soon. 
So it's it's bit by bit. But just think about it. The sites there, the FAI are willing, very supportive. The Lead County Council are very supportive. Uh, the government has given assistance to a 14,000-seater GAA stadium in Dundalk, in the north of Louth. So I'm expecting significant assistance to come for the building of a stadium for us in the south of, of the county and for Drawdy United. But I don't want a stadium just for Drawdy United. I want it to be a stadium for soccer in the town. And in fact, I am absolutely open to the site being used for other sports as well. And I, I quite like the idea, I've always said this, of a, a mini Abbottstown, as I would describe it, um, on a site like this so that it benefits all sports or as many as we can uh, accommodate uh, in the town. I was talking to a local running club who were interested in sharing the site with us, for example. Again, why wouldn't we do that? You know, this is something that's meant to be a public amenity, a municipal facility for the people of Drogheda. So, um, but it's it's frustrating, Brefney, you know, because I, I want to, you know, uh, I want to turn over a sod and I want to, you know, get it moving. And there's just obstacle after obstacle, but you just got to be persistent. My father was 20 years trying to do this, um, longer actually. And uh, you just have to keep going. And the second question was about the the personnel, the full time oh, personnel. Yeah. Bitch. Yeah. Um. Well, we've we've you know it's interesting when you come into a a club. I mean, I look, I have a lot of history of the club through family and everything, and I you know we could write a book on it. Um. But uh, when I came in, uh, you know, I was lucky that uh, you know, I, I, two or three, we we inherited a club two years ago with, uh, you know three or four hundred thousand of debt uh we've got that debt down to nearer to a hundred thousand over a couple of years you know by really hard work and you know our cfo uh ender mccarville uh andrew Purcell and jim mccardle our other two directors they've been brilliant but also we've got a general manager john matthews who's been super joanna doing the off the community things here on briscoe we've built out a, a group of maybe you know maybe 10 to 15 of us we've we've uh I should give a big shout out to, you know, there's so many unsung heroes, like whether it's our social media team or brilliant, a bunch of young guys who just do it for nothing, but love of the club. And it's just, and they just love the club and it's all they do. And that's all they think about. And then we've got people like, I'll just mention two more, uh, Neve Leonard and Katrina McCann, who have been supporters since they were, you know, kids. And, and, uh, and, you know, they were there at the high court when we nearly went into administration as, as 12 year olds or whatever they were at the time, uh, still supporting us and, and, and keeping us going. And they make the match night run with COVID, all the things that have to be done around COVID and everything. Again, volunteers who do love the club. And that is what makes you feel proud is that all these people do it, not for any financial reward, not for any personal glory. But because they love the club, and uh, so we have a great team of people, and uh, I'm, you know, again, very proud of what they've all achieved. To be honest with you, wish you the best of luck for the season and and back in the Premier. And, and as I said, I, I don't think I don't think you'd be going down anytime soon. Um, I, 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 I hope think, you're right, Alan. I hope and you're I right. I, no, I think Tim has assembled a good squad, and I look at that. I've seen them once or twice in the first division, and I look at I look forward to seeing them. Uh, this year, who do you think is going to who do you think is going to come out of the first division? Now, do you think Galway will make it? It's going to be tough. Shells have recruited well, and uh, Galway it'll be interesting first game of the season. It'll be uh, John Coffey factor could play play a big part in that. The, the first division, just as an aside, yeah. I mean the first division 
uh, we laugh. We say it, it'll be easier to stay in the Premier than get out of the yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. Brain ran you so close last year, oh. and been a point a year or two points at the end of the season, and they're not even been mentioned in terms of being potential. Well, let hold on a second here. Now <laughs> I got to predict something, right? Bray are going to win the first division. Yeah, tough. You can come back to that later on in the year. I'm that's telling you, We're going to that, that is my that's my prediction. I'm not allowed to predict anything in the Premier, but I'm predicting Bray to win the first. <laughs> uh, I, and what, wait till you see, because I'm telling you, and the Player of the Year, <laughs> who do I think I am here? The Player of the Year is Brandon Cavanagh by yep. a country mile in the first division. He was with Chams, isn't it? The ex He was, yeah. Oh, yeah. he's just yeah. When you see him, <laughs> I mean, he was good last season, but yeah. he's he's come on a bit. I was watching the other day; he was super. But they've a really good squad, very big and physical, and nobody's mentioning them, you know. And uh, and that's exactly how they want. Gary's a terrific manager as well. I really like. I mean, Gary's next yeah. dog as well, Gary Cronin. So um, that's going to be a cracking league to watch, and it's all available again on on Watch LOI and stuff like that. You know what I mean? That that you know. So yeah. it's it's brilliant. I think people will really be excited by the first division and i'm so pleased at that by the way athlone have recruited well as well and because they deserve more coverage and credit in the first division i really believe that absolutely be here we say the exact same thing here on final list we're looking forward to covering it all season connor we've definitely run out of time we've gone way yeah. over you promised me Sorry. we would um so uh, nice thanks very much for and uh, and we'll chat to you through the season thanks a million. great thanks very much great cheers connor well, what what can you say? Like he he did warn me that he liked to talk um, nearly as much as Dan Lambert. Um, but the two the two lads, uh, they really have the, the right a soul to be to be running football clubs in in terms of what they bring to to those situations. Yeah, it's 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 just so refreshing to hear. It's like going forward uh, for the league. It's it, if it's lads like that involved in clubs, it, it's definitely in a good place. It's going in the right direction, both on and off the pitch. Um. You see there, Connor said he took it over, for, say, from his dad. And he has this ambition as well going forward and, and, and with the new stadium and stuff. And exciting times for Drogheda. As I said, I, I think they'll do well in the league this year. I think they'll they'll be flirting with the down around the bottom, but I think they'll be safe enough. You've been involved with a, a range of clubs across the league over the years but and and also in the north as well. Have you ever felt, I suppose, what they're projecting now, have you ever felt at a club that this is home? I could, I could. Well, obviously, you you live in Sligo now. You've made a home in Sligo, but has that ever kind of come at you, or would you be excited by the prospect of of moving to a club like Bose or, or Drogheda and been part of that kind of culture? Oh, definitely, because uh, even I, I've obviously made Sligo my home, but I've been fighting for contracts every year. You know, I've never signed any more than a, a nine month contract. Uh, in any club that I was at, so for like suppose and Drogheda to to do that, if 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 you you would have no problem signing a two year two three year deal uh, on less terms if you knew that you're 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 sorting your future life out, and I think it's just it's just amazing what they're what they're doing and, and uh, fair use to them and um, it's all to the, the all focus around the player the player's welfare because yeah. sometimes you can feel as a player that you're just being kind of used and you know for all that you do throughout the season you're fighting for a contract come the end of the year and you kind of look back and you're kind of in no man's land and you go oh, i have to take this i have to do this i have to do that and sometimes a lot of players do get a lot of grief for moving on but loyalties have to work both ways and i think the likes of drahada and 
uh, and those what we spoke to about the lads there. I think it's it, it's it's brilliant, and I know if, I know a couple of other clubs in the league are definitely doing that as well. But yeah, it has to be said that it's not just two clubs. There are there are a number of clubs who really have stepped up their game in terms of what they're offering to players, and it's not just about uh, a cash transaction wage for uh, to play. And I think no. the the key words you said in that little um, description you had was uh, reduced terms. I think you'll play for less in the week. Uh, at the end of the week, if if the holistic aspect of your life is is being catered for, and I think that's maybe a lesson that that uh, all the clubs could listen to and really look at the bigger picture. And... Well, that's what we've got for this week. It, it feels a bit weird, Alan, to be previewing a, a league that's starting this weekend and not have any players on the or coaches on the podcast. But I think what some of the clubs are doing off the pitch is probably in in the bigger picture more important to focus and to celebrate kind of what's going on in terms of the the infrastructure of the league and that's kind of why we've dedicated this week's show to to some of the developments off the pitch um what's your own thoughts on on uh i suppose how the season is going to fare out for for teams and maybe how important are these things off the pitch in the real light of day yeah, I, I think you're right there. It's 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 great to have them on and speak because a lot of this can be get swept under the carpet and you'd be just focusing on the league and the players and all that. I think it's a massive, uh, massive uh, achievement by the clubs and what they're doing for players. I think it's it's a step in the in the right direction. And even like for instance, Connor saying there about naming the stadium ahead in the game park, like it that's just people are going to ask questions. Why is it called that? So initially a conversation about mental health and I think that's great and I think it's it's great going forward um, the league as a whole uh, as a whole I think you know other clubs will be looking for suit now and they'll be looking how can they they improve like and I'm sure a lot of them will be contacting like Connor Bo, uh, and Dana Bowes to, to ask them you know advice and stuff like that as, is, as we said earlier a lot of clubs are doing this in the league that's a lot of it is 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 gone in under the radar that we don't hear about. So I think they need to come out and speak more and value the players because the players Absolutely. are uh, the players are our selling point. There are our you know at the end of the day, it's what what, play, what fans look for the players. I agree with you completely on that, Alan. We've run out of time. Uh, I have to say, just it's two weeks now. We haven't had any first division content, and unfortunately, we've just had for reason uh, just issues outside of our control we have had interviews of both weeks scheduled they've fallen through because of uh, different circumstances that just couldn't be avoided we will be covering the first division in more detail uh, probably starting next week when we uh, when we f- feature their first weekend's action uh, but we're looking forward to covering both divisions uh, don't be discouraged if you're a fan of a first division team we will be covering it through the season uh, like i said you can catch us on uh, finalwhistle.ie forward slash newsletter to get in the draw on thursday evening for uh, our um three giveaways uh, we're giving away three uh, passes to watch loi uh, we'd love to share one with you if you're one of the people drawn out of the hat alan it's been a pleasure as always thank you very much enjoy the showgrounds on uh saturday evening and we'll uh we'll catch up with you in the next couple of weeks cheers Bravani. thanks for having me